So how do you figure out the best mix? That's a great question. And I'm going to disappoint you with, it depends. It depends on what kind of service or product you provide and what kind of talent you need to provide them. But even with that very broad variable, we all have similar needs in various parts of our company. How do you grow and scale your business while avoiding entrepreneur poverty? Hi, I'm Buzz and I've spent over 20 years marketing for entrepreneurs just like you. I've learned there's no one secret to success, but a series of strategies to help business owners scale at will. On this podcast, we uncover invaluable insights that successful entrepreneurs and industry experts use to profitably scale businesses. Welcome to You Are Buzzworthy. Let's talk about building a profitable team mix. In our last episode, I talked with Rhonda Robinson about recruiting and retaining a team. While we touched on in-office versus remote situations, we didn't get a chance to discuss the types of members you can recruit for your team. Do you know that there are seven common types of employees you can hire? Most of you are familiar with full-time and part-time. You can also have temporary and on-call employees. Some organizations can even have volunteer employees. I was actually one of those for the DOD. See, I was the public affairs director for the employer support of Garden Reserve, ESGR, actually. (laughs) That's a lot. That's a mouthful right there. But that's another story. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Then there are contractors and independent contractors. Now, I'm not here to bore you with the differences between these classifications of employees. Rather, I want to dive into the ways you can source people for your team and what mix of those choices are good for your company. I think this is very important because your team is what makes your company go. Without people that can profitably run your business for you, you don't own a company. You own a job. I lived this fact for 13 years of my life. So let me tell you, it stinks to own a job. It's not why any of us got into business, at least anyone I know. And we can't truly build a successful business if we are constantly stuck working in it. Now, before I dive into this, I want to first say some of this might seem basic, but please, I ask you to bear with me. We have a wide variety of listeners, and I don't want to leave anyone in the dark. I promise to make this streamlined as possible, so let's do this. Most of us are used to insourcing, which is just a fancy way of saying hiring people off the street. These people work for you on a W-2 basis, and you have responsibilities to their unemployment insurance along with federal and state withholdings. Pretty much the standard stuff. Insourcing is the most common because it's been around for longer than most of any other type of sourcing. It also gives you the most amount of control on what and how your team performs. That was until recently with the explosion of remote working, but I will get that to that in a minute. Next, there's outsourcing, which is when you hire someone from outside your company to another company who invoices you for the work. It's also called subcontracting, and a lot of new businesses start with it because it's more practical in the early stages of business. You might not have the resources to hire even a part-time person, so outsourcing becomes the answer. 
But there are many ways you can outsource. Let me explain. Traditionally, you think of outsourcing like I just subscribed, which is usually means choosing a company that does the work for you. But then there are companies that don't do the work at all and just hire out their talent to other businesses. This is called employee outsourcing or leasing. This is how I started hiring people for my business. It's a great way to get in-house talent without all of the insurance, withholding, and the other red tape traditionally insourcing requires. You can also have leased employees work remotely, which lets us source these types of employees anywhere in the world. This is called offshore outsourcing or offshoring, which is a mixed bag altogether that I promise to get back to. But first, let's touch on a few other sourcing options like hiring professional service providers. They could be CPAs, bookkeepers, lawyers, other professional consultants, the whole nine yards. These people are essential to every business, but it's not necessary for most of us to have them on staff. So we hire them when we need them, which brings me to the last outsourcing type and my favorite joint ventures. The phrase joint ventures used to be a very formal term reserved for big companies creating separate entities to work together. But in the SMB world, we can create joint ventures with as little as a handshake because all it really means is that two businesses are working together. The owners have decided to collaborate. You don't have to share any resources or occupy the same space. Just share the responsibilities of taking care of the same clients. And just like professional service providers, you're working with trained specialists on an as-needed basis. Now that we have covered the different ways to source talent, let's discuss the pros and cons of each and talk about how to best mix them for your business. The first thing is to consider how your business is structured. I have owned both brick and mortar and virtual businesses. At one time, I had 22 in-source employees with a cadre of subcontractors, freelancers, professional service providers, and interns. We ran everything out of a 13,000-square-foot facility in downtown Anchorage, Alaska. We had a great culture and a lot of systems in place, but it was also a lot to keep track of and eventually became something I didn't want to manage any longer. Now, I have two companies with an entirely virtual team that are made up of W-2 employees, freelancers, contractors, offshore leased employees, my professional services team, and my joint ventures. I know it sounds like I just rattled off the same list of sources minus the offshoring and intern, but that's my point. It doesn't really matter if you are a brick and mortar or a virtual company. It's good to have a healthy mix of sources. Of course, what that mix looks like can be very different for you compared to me. So how do you figure out the best mix? That's a great question. And I'm going to disappoint you with, it depends. It depends on what kind of service or product you provide and what kind of talent you need to provide them. But even with that very broad variable, we all have similar needs in various parts of our company. For example, your core leadership is a very personal part of your business. They are where you put the lion's share of your trust and count on them to follow through when you aren't there. That is why I like to reserve those positions strictly for W-2 employees. They don't have to be full-time, but being on, quote, payroll gives them a sense of stability and a deeper feeling of inclusion. 
And then there's legal considerations of how 1099 freelancers and independent contractors can operate. So make sure you check with your state and federal laws. Moving beyond core leadership starts giving you a lot more flexibility, in my opinion. But I still have preferences on how to source different kinds of responsibilities. For what I call tedious work, like checking emails, redundant tasks, or what some call line work, you can find great offshore options that cost a fraction of domestic labor while providing living wages for people in emerging countries. It's also my experience to be selective of what kind of tasks to offshore. I personally serve the needs of the US and Canada. Therefore, I prefer client-facing staff to not only be fluent in English, but to have a strong understanding of our dialects, culture, and reasoning. Yes, you heard it right, reasoning. See, different cultures come with different ways they reason through business. If your team isn't able to efficiently reason through tough client situations or negotiate business properly with vendors, you could be exposed to a lot of issues. I'm not saying you can't offshore client-facing representatives. Just make sure you hire and train those that will represent your company the way you want it to be represented. If you are in a creative field, you might find the same challenges. Art and culture are closely integrated, and so your creative should be well-versed on how you approach your client's needs. Some creative companies have more technical parts of the process, so this isn't always going to be a concern. But it's important to realize that just because someone speaks the same language as you doesn't mean they understand your culture. Now, for technical back-end tasks, I don't really have a preference of sourcing except for when the work needs to be done and that communication timing coincides with the rest of the team. You might have processes that must be done in-house, so leased, contract, or W-2 employees are going to be your best bet. For virtual tasks, the sky's the limit. Where things get really interesting is when you start working with joint ventures. I have a few of them in place and I'm really enjoying them. In a few cases, I'm the one providing the core services and the other way around with others. I like joint ventures for expanding your service offerings without expanding your team's footprint. For me and marketing, there are so many facets in the industry that it's impractical to try and maintain an in-house team with all of the expertise required to deliver on all cylinders. So joint ventures allow us to take advantage of other firms' talent and expertise in an effort to provide more holistic services for our own clients. One thing to remember about JVs though, it's imperative that you partner with owners that hold your same values and share the same commitments to their client's success as you do yours. You also don't want to overcommit to any one JV in your mix. Remember, people are awesome until they're not. I've had JVs fall apart in front of my face due to internal struggles in the other company. I had a lot on the business we were getting from them and was relying on them to provide services for my clients. Just like your client mix, your source mix needs to be diverse enough to not kill your business if one source disappears overnight. In the end, how you source your business is very personal at the beginning and becomes more a function of fit and efficiency. I am not aware of any special formula to the perfect source mix. 
I do know that your mix will fluctuate over time, so don't get too rigid with any one type of source unless your vision and mission are directly tied to it. It's your business, and your team is a reflection of that business. So create a team that you can be proud of so you can build a business your team is proud to be a part of. Hey, if you missed Rhonda and my conversation about how to recruit and retain an optimum team, you owe it to yourself to go to episode 19 of the You Are Buzzworthy podcast and give it a listen. While you're there, go ahead and subscribe so you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear your feedback, so leave us a review. Until next time, please stay profitable and be buzzworthy. Buzzworthy.